Welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of We Can Do Epic Things, the one where we go straight to the top. Mm -hmm. I'm Carly Strauss. I'm a professional learning facilitator in Douglas County School District in the Gardnerville Minden area of Nevada. And I am Lindsay Bednar, uh, also a professional learning facilitator here in Douglas County School District. Lindsay, give us a little background. Mm, former kindergarten teacher uh, for a long time. I survived that and now work at the district level. And a fun fact about me, uh, ooh, I can run 100 miles. I think that's, well, I don't know if that's a fun fact, but that's a fact. At one time. <laughs> at one time. One time. One time. No sleeping. So yes, what is, tell us something about you. I've been doing this work in education for about 24 years. Mm -hmm. I was a math teacher, a school counselor forever and ever, and then uh, work in professional learning. Um, a fun fact about me is uh, that uh, my grandfather used to work for Walt Disney drawing Mickey Mouse cartoons. What? I know. That is a fun fact. Is a fun I fact. like that. Um, just to orient you a little bit to Douglas County School District, we're located in northern Nevada. Uh, we serve about 5,500 students, give or take. Um, we live in a beautiful valley, uh, but our district also encompasses a section of uh, the Nevada side of South Lake Tahoe, so we have a beautiful lake as well. Um, we are south of Reno and way far away from Las Vegas, um, and uh, actually closer to Las, uh, San Francisco than Las Vegas. There's a fun fact for you. Yeah, yeah. People don't think that. No. All right. So uh, you might be wondering why, why are we doing this podcast? Uh, well, teaching is hard. We know that. Um, but as it turns out, we can also do epic things. And so this is just a pod for anyone who wants to learn or if you have kids in school, if you went to school, if you're a teacher, if, you're, if you have any interest in education and learning, this podcast is for you. For humans. For it's humans. A podcast for humans. It is. Excellent. And our first pod guest today is Mr. Keith Lewis, our superintendent. And before we get into a little bit about him, we are going to start with uh, our soon-to-be favorite segment, Two Truths and a Lie. So, Keith, tell us two truths and a lie, and then we're going to try and guess the lie. All right. My family drove everywhere. When we traveled as kids, we never flew. Okay. I've read over 400 books, and I attended junior high in Yellowstone National Park. Oh. I knew I wasn't going to be very good at this. I know one of the truths. I know you oh, went to junior high in Yellowstone National Park. Oh, okay. I know that's true. Okay. Um... I don't, like, did you really count all 400 books? Like, do you have a log of these books? That's that's the one I think is a lie. But I also don't want you to think, you don't read. I don't want you to think that I don't think you read. Um, mm. I'm going to go with the books. That sounds good. Let's go with the books. The we books? think the books are a lie. That is a lie. Oh, yes. Okay. First one. Is there I've read 399. Oh. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> okay. Okay. That's. Okay, thank you for sharing that with us. Now, now that we know a little bit about you, um, tell us more. So how did you get here? Tell us about your story. So I will start in graduation of college. I graduated from Boise State. 
Um, I was living in my mom's travel trailer in a campground in Boise, and I saw a one-year-only position at uh, C.C. Manili Elementary School. And so I applied. I remember getting the uh, brochures of Genoa and Lake Tahoe, and I never really had a picture of Nevada that way. And so I was all excited. I applied, and I remember John Soderman calling me. And there was a job at Wattel as well. So there was a PE job at Wattel and then a one year only at, at Manili. And so he had arranged to, for in a week, that I'd come down for an interview. And I remember, like, I could be there tomorrow. And John saying, well, you're the strongest candidate on paper, but but if you could be here tomorrow, we'll interview you. And so I got my friend and we drove. And uh, I was interviewed by six administrators at the same time. So Wattel and... Manili uh, interviewed me, so John Soderman, Nancy Bryant, oh. Dave Sheets, Susan uh, Baldwin, and uh, and uh, Dick Brownfield, uh, legendary names in administration in our district. Yes. So I interviewed. Uh, John told me to wait outside. I literally went and waited outside. I think he really meant to wait in the lobby, but so I remember <laughs> sitting in my truck and him looking to try to figure out where I was, and, and they offered me, uh, asked me which job I wanted, and I told them I wanted the one year only mainly job just to get my experience. And so uh, in June of that first year, uh, Pinion Hills and Minden were being built, but there was they weren't committed to another position, and the lady I was filling in for came back. She, all year long, there, she was no way coming back, and she came back. And mm -hmm. so on the last day of school, I was notified they were hiring another position, and uh, so I got to stay. Oh. I really thought I was going to leave the district. And so 10 years of that, during those 10 years, I uh, spent seven years as uh, head basketball coach of the varsity boys basketball team in Douglas and really kind of enjoyed the adult part of that and, and the organization piece of that. So I went into administration, two years at CVMS uh, as an assistant principal, then moved on to Powalu for eight years. And I really look at that as where my career really launched mm -hmm just an amazing staff and I think we did amazing things for kids and that allowed me to then become human resources director and now here I am as the elementary PE teacher who became superintendent. You know what's so funny like about it. that Keith as I was listening to you I thought uh, you had this idea of just one year I'll just give it a year and I did the same thing one year I'm gonna give it one year yep. and here I am 23 years later because so it funny. was all about getting experience right yeah, yeah. well and i thought i was moving back to arizona i, was I thought i was moving back to ohio i said one year only and then i'm going back to ohio and here i am 10 years later and i was always going back to boise and it's so funny funny that my daughter's there now and yeah. wants to do the same thing stay there who knows yeah. we'll see but that's <laughs> yes. a funny thing that we all did the same thing yeah excellent um when we think about education and we know uh, the work and the hours and the commitment that go into it, um, I was hoping you could tell us about why do you do this? What's your why? Why, sh why do you show up every day? Why well, have I, you shown up for all these years? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I show up because I love, I, I really truly, it may be cliche, but I love my job. I mean, I honestly can say that there hasn't been a day that I get up that I don't enjoy coming to work. Like it has never been um, work in my eyes. Um, and I... I like, I really, my why is that I feel like I can make a difference. And I feel like um, in my role now, as you get further removed from students, my, my difference is with our staff. And I think that I have 
always been a good leader that has kept in perspective of where staff are and that empathy and mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's really about making that making that difference because I firmly believe if if we can have qualified staff and, and happy staff and uh, that that impacts our kids and so maybe not working with them every single day but uh, doing the things that support our staff to enjoy their job because if they don't enjoy it they can't be effective teachers true true story I agree. And kids are, uh, I get asked that a lot. Why do you do what you do? You don't teach kids. And it's like, but I teach teachers and they teach a lot of kids. And if I can help them love this work, it's worth it for me to not be the person in front of the kids. I do love the kids the most though. Yeah. They're so funny. Yes. Oh my gosh. We have some good stories. Wait till the end. You're going to hear some good <laughs> stories. Oh yes. Yeah. I could probably segment. add to them. Uh, I bet you could. Mm-hmm. I bet you could. And you certainly can. That's a question that's not on here, but you can share a story for sure. Um, this will be, uh, this podcast is kicking off a brand new school year for us. Um, so tell us what, um, your visions are for the upcoming year for Epic Learning. Um, where, where are we going? So I, I don't think my vision is any different. My vision is continues to be that everybody in our district grows and, Mm. you know, I'm, I'm extremely proud of our implementation I, and you know people are you know now they're like show me the data and I think again I think with any movement especially a movement of where we've been so purposeful in our implementation of which you know truly you know now two years is where everyone was expected to be doing epic things in their classroom and so the data will take time but I think there's a lot of anecdotal data and mm-hmm. I am extremely proud of the engagement I've, I've really noticed a change in engagement in our classrooms. And ultimately, that's going to lead to higher performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my goal is that, again, that we continue to expand within our secondary schools, mm-hmm. that we can get our secondary educators to understand that voice and choice is not an elementary thing, and that every kid in our school district um, needs to know the relevance, needs to have buy-in in the classroom, and also working on how we differentiate strategies. And I, you know, again, I think small group instruction is a foreign thing in a lot of secondary classrooms. And how do we continue to grow that that possibility for kids? Um, and again, we've talked about this from the beginning. Our learners are going to come up with different needs, and so you know, it can work at every level. And I think that's the exciting thing is that we have seen. That, that it's working um, at every level. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do we get that to continue to expand? But I also think that, you know, one of our vision is to also, you know, how can we look at secondary maybe a little differently and to, you know, to go out there and, and you know, we've got some models that I think we're gonna go look to visit uh, in the fall um, that are more specific to secondary. And so again, that part. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously we're at the rigor uh, stage in this implementation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, learning progressions and common assessments and how are we, you know, how are we increasing that rigor within our classrooms? So I think those are, you know, again, I, I think that, you know, for our staff, understanding that we will have new teachers amongst us, we have, you know, young teachers and we have people at every step of the way. And to me, nothing's changed. You know, I do believe that the accountability, we're at that point too, mm-hmm. um, where the expectation is, is that, that we're doing epic things in our classroom. And that doesn't mean we're doing the same thing in every classroom, mm-hmm. but that we're, 
again, growing in that expectation that everyone understands that expectation. Yeah, I love that. Yes. I like the idea of growth. Just everyone's everyone. growing. Students are growing, teachers are growing, admins are growing, everyone's growing. We're all growing together. The deep end of the pool, as we've used the analogy, is getting more people are in the deep end mm-hmm. uh, every year. So. Well, it takes a lot to develop that where people are comfortable taking that risk, and I think that says a lot about the work people are doing, where more and more people are comfortable going toward the deep end and not just dipping a toe in, but like, I'll try it. That's growth mindset at its finest. I'll try something and it won't be perfect and it's okay. And that's the vibe that I feel like we're having with our teachers and that's exciting. Yes. And I yeah. think, you know, there's there's so many cool and amazing things going on in our classrooms. And Real. I think sometimes people don't even realize how epic some of the things they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they, don't, they don't think they're epic, but a lot of what they're doing in their classroom really is. I agree a hundred million percent and uh, hopefully through this podcast we'll be able to shine a light on some of those things um, the good the bad and the ugly all of it uh, so that it's all the process yeah we understand it's not easy uh, work and getting teachers not to be so hard on themselves yeah. gosh yeah we're our worst enemies That's, we all are yeah. we're perfectionists and and that give and take of not having a model can be frustrating for people yeah. but I'm excited. I think I think our movement is strong. Yes, and that kind of leads into the next three. It's sort of like a rapid fire um, three questions here. So, what what should we keep doing, stop doing, and start doing in education, in any sort of order? There. Okay. So I think what we need to keep doing is is caring for every single one of our students as an individual. Mm-hmm. I think that we do an amazing job in Douglas Great. County, and you know we've been. Um, you know, we've been up against some criticism and, and just national narrative, and I think that it has not ever prevented us from continuing to do what every kid needs and to individualize that and to make sure that we're wrapping our arms around every kid uh, as they need it. Uh, I think the thing that we need to stop doing in education is judging our schools and our teachers by a standardized test score. Yes. Uh, Amen. So then on that front, I think we need to challenge our current accountability system. Um, One of the, this legislative session, I was uh, required to testify uh, in front of the legislature on a Saturday morning, and it was really clear that educators uh, definition of accountability is much different than legislators and there's a mismatch there and, and our, our teachers and our schools are being judged by their performance on a singular exam and I think that's unfair and I think we need to develop an accountability system around growth I think we also need to it needs to be centered around you know what else are we doing for kids what are those opportunities you know the performances um, you know it's it's really exciting this time of the year when you have ag days and career days and in your, you know, those are important activities for their overall uh, performance and just success of students. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was at the superintendent's academy yesterday and I went to a session on, on accountability and, and rethinking accountability. And, you know, the one thing they said that was really was so true is when you ask parents what they want for their kids no parent says i want my kids test score to be higher they want their kid to be safe they want their kid to have relationships 
They want their kid. They want us to find a strength in their kid and bring that out of them. You know, it's it's not about test scores yet. That's how we rate our schools yeah. is by a test score, by a graduation rate. Um, when we do so much more for kids that right. that can be measured in a true accountability system can be measured. I actually just read an article um, this morning about uh, some schools in Missouri, maybe it's a school or a group of schools, um, that just got permission to not use that end of the year assessment that you don't get results on until the fall anyway when those kids are already gone and you can take no action. Uh, and the, they said, we think we have a better way. Can we try it? And the state or the universe or whoever gives grants permission to them said, we'll give you one year to show us that you can do things differently, uh, which is one year's hard in school. Yeah. But it was like, oh, my gosh, here's a here's a crack, right? Like where maybe things will start shifting, where they're being um, released from that state exam at the end of the year to do some more uh, three times a year with some actionable steps in between. Some assessment didn't specify what they were going to do, but I was like, oh, this is exciting because it's someone that's saying maybe we could do it a little differently. If teachers don't feel like it's benefiting their instruction, it's a setup for failure, right? You feel terrible and those kids are gone. <laughs> so that's exciting. Well, I think that the, you know, the, the exciting thing right now is that we're united across the state of Nevada that something needs to change. And it's not a quick process. We know that, but we are actively engaged. We were going to have a conversation this week, but due to the special session, um, we couldn't get legislatures in the room. And so that we feel like is an important first step. Like we've got to understand what accountability really truly looks like before we can set forth on making changes. And it, you know, again, it won't be quick, but uh, we are united in pursuing something different i think that'll be music to everyone's ears they'll be willing so. to wait they right. will be yeah, willing to wait yeah and like you said that's what parents they they're not looking at those i'm just thinking of kindergarten my first few years teaching i was like so worried about all this stuff i had to tell them at back to school night and they just wanted to know like is my kid safe like, are they getting lunch do they have friends that's what they're and i don't think that really changes as they move on that's what they're really worried about not what did they get on their dra what was their score and I feel like as a parent, like there's no angst in me about the test score that my child is going to get on the SBAC. Do I look at it? Yes. Mm -hmm. But am I worried about it? No. Because there's so many other right. markers as a parent that I know he's doing well and he's being taught and he's learning. Um, yeah. I, can, I can know that on a day-to-day -day interaction with my child. I don't need an SBAC score or a map score too, you know, and I, and I probably am a little bit more interested in the map score <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I, I can see that he's progressing and growing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. exciting times. And I think it's, it's time that we make that movement. Yeah. Yeah. Keep doing, start doing, stop doing. Um, here's a real, real big question. Here. Hard hitting one. Hard hitting one. Uh, What's your educational superpower? Well, my educational superpower could be that I'm thick-skinned, which has proven to be very <laughs> beneficial <laughs> lately. But that's probably... I, I mentioned the word earlier. I think it's my super... I'm super empathetic. Mm -hmm. um, I Again, I 
I know there's always criticism of the people at the top uh, within any organization, but I, I do feel like I have not forgotten anyone that works for us and that I have not forgotten to be appreciative of the role that everyone plays. And so I, I think that has been my super strength and I think it's led to, you know, to being successful in education and to generally having a workforce that likes working for Douglas County School District. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. I might also add that I also have superpower of being able to survive on less than five hours sleep a night. Oh my God. That is a true superpower because, <laughs> wow. I get a little rough around the edges when that, mm. I have weeks like that mm -hmm. and it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. It's tough. I like to believe you can't tell the difference with me. But. Oh. That's a, I, that's a superpower. You can because it's the bags right under my eyes. They are a dead <laughs> giveaway. There's not enough little caffeine no serum. Hide, no hide that. To do it in. Concealer mm -hmm. won't work. Yeah. When they've U-turned and gone back up, and I know it's yeah. time for a nap. Well, this question is, uh, we didn't give you yet because we're going to draw out of our little bag here. Maybe our next favorite segment, Would You Rather? We don't know what this is going to be. No. I'm, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen here. Oh, would you rather have to sew all your clothes or grow your own food? So I would tell you I have skills in both. Oh. My mom taught me to sew. Really? I made a really nifty jacket and windsock in junior high. Um, oh, the zipper was a little crooked. I <laughs> Were the would, arms the, the same length or one really long? Remember when black and white plaid was in? You probably don't remember, Lindsay, but Carly might. Uh, uh, anyways, I think I'd rather plant or grow my own food. Yeah. That would be, that's pretty, I, I think that might be easier. I think so. Yeah, I'm torn. Because once you sew your clothes, then you have the clothes to wear and you're good and you're all set. But I think that it, it would be fun to have a garden and grow my own food. Except for winter in Tahoe. This winter, I would starve. Yeah, so maybe you don't have to rely on the food. You just have that skill, maybe. Yeah, that's, that would be better. Yeah. So yeah, I'll modify I'm too vain that. to sew my own clothes and they'd be crooked and not look good. And I, <laughs> believe it or not. I know, I do love fashion, I worry so. About that. Ugh. I sewed a lot of my clothes in college, which means I should not be sewing clothes. <laughs> For my adult working self. Um, I will tell you a funny story about my husband. Um, when my Phoenix was little, my son um, never could wear sweatpants. My husband was anti-sweatpants. No sweatpants, never, ever, ever no sweatpants. And probably like two years ago, we've been together for 20-some years, little light bulb goes on that in his eighth grade home ec class, he sewed himself a oh. pair of purple sweatpants oh. that did not turn out so great <laughs> and the trauma of that experience is the reason why sweatpants were not allowed in our house ever 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 until like two years ago when wow. he finally realized maybe it's not sweatpants but the purple sweatpants were the trauma so um, I'm gonna go with grow, grow my own food okay <laughs> so going to uh, sweatpants though my very first class at Boise State yeah. I was a physical education major huh? the very first thing that I was taught is never to wear sweatpants. Oh. How jockish and uneducated it looked. Oh. And so we no were we were taught as physical education majors, sweatpants weren't okay. Wow. Now sweat 
like like the sweatpant material. Like yeah. sweatsuits were fine, but not sweatpants. You were taught that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to know what I was taught in my first counseling class at, the, uh, <laughs> I don't at know. Arizona State? I don't know. Intro to counseling, <laughs> master's program here. Uh, a third of you are here because you should be. Like this is the right work for you. A third of you will decide this is not for you. Like, and a third of you are here because you need counseling yourself, <laughs> and you don't know how to get it. <laughs> okay, so, so college fits any great advice. Yeah, and you do fit somewhere. Like, I feel like everyone would fit in that. And yeah, you it know? worked out great. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. It's so true. true. Here we are. Yeah. So, um, we're going to end with our very last segment, and this is a segment that we um, call "You Can't Make This Up." Yes, and so I will share my "You Can't Make This Up." Uh, I taught kindergarten at Gardnerville Elementary. I want to say it was like my second or third year teaching kindergarten and my kids hung up their backpacks outside in the hallway and I walked out and I was like, what is that on the ground? Went to go pick it up. I'm like, oh, that's a large black thong. And I dropped it. Underwear. As in underwear. Yes. Sorry. Underwear. I dropped it immediately. I was like, uh, (laughs) what do I do? What happens now? So I got my aid. I'm like, what do we do? So I got a pencil and like picked it up with the pencil and for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to take it down to my boss. This is the best part of the story, right? Take now. it to my principal, walk in his office, and I was like, I found this in the hallway. And he's like, what are you doing? What is that? I'm like, it's what you think. And I found it in the hall. And he's like, go put it back. And so I walked back down the hall and put it back in the backpack and sent it home with the child. And we knew the parent, um, which was, like, uncomfortable. We didn't, she didn't know that we had found that, though, in the hallway, so... Watch what goes in your kid's backpack. You never know. You can't make this up. You can't make this up. Um, so we asked our teachers to send in, uh, or anyone, to send in uh, some things that you really can't make this up. Uh, and another, sure yeah, you. another kindergarten teacher said that her first year of teaching kindergarten, she had show and tell, and a kid brought in a cow's tongue, like a big, slimy, gross cow's tongue for show and tell. She said that was not one of her better moments in teaching <laughs> but who knew who knew you had to say you know show and tell but leave any cow tongues t- cow tongues at home that's not going to be the best so if you have a story you'd like to share with us for you can't make this up please now that we put it in your mind uh yeah because we know you guys have great stories yeah. to share so right. yeah do you have any Oh, I have a ton. I'm sure. I remember as a young teacher, a st- student somehow, a turd, what? ended up on the middle of no. the volleyball game <laughs> and realizing what it was and then how was I going to not make a scene with all the kids. Oh, my and I'm dead. Yeah. Calling from the gym at Binion Hills Elementary and saying, "I need a custodian because I got a turd on the floor." <laughs> and we, I somehow navig- I navigated all the kids to the other end of the gym, oh and for some reason, some made up reason, the custodian came in, swooped it up, <laughs> left, and we went back and played volleyball. And to my knowledge. No one knew the difference. Oh my gosh! Probably something you never thought you'd have to call and say on the phone. No. Strangely enough, I too worked at Pinion Hills Elementary School and had a very similar incident. What? So that is funny. Who knew that this is a thing? I can't even imagine how many people have had a similar circumstance. Oh my Um, gosh, yeah. yeah, On the classroom floor, just 
uh, I guess fell out the pant leg or something. I don't even wow. know. So, wow. So, well, that is a great way to end this it podcast. It certainly is. Thank you so much for being our first podcast guest. Um, and like the kids would say, subscribe and like our <laughs> podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Hopefully we're, wherever, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, wherever you get your podcast. If we can podcast. figure out how to post it there. Yeah. Yes, and we can do epic things. We can do epic things. Thank you.